Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Rana Glickman and Beverly Ginsburg are allegedly best-selling co-authors of a book on marriage and remarriage for Jewish singles. But these 50-somethings from Boston actually dispense their unique brand of relationship advice on a regular basis at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles, and also on their Rana and Beverly podcast on the Earwolf Network, and also before that in New York City, and also around the world as invited guests at comedy festivals. They're also actually the characters created by comedic actresses Jamie Denbo and Jessica Chaffin. They got Rana and Beverly a Showtime pilot in 2009. The pilot never got picked up, but their director, Paul Feig, worked with them again on a chat show for Sky Atlantic in the UK and has hired them since for several films, among them The Heat and Spy. You've also seen them separately on Orange is the New Black, New Girl, and Episodes. But they're more fun together, so let's get to it! Jessica Chaffman is a big musical theater beating nerd jock hater. Jock ha- jock nerd hater. I do not care for musical theater. I don't want to talk about that. Well, That's not fair. Wonderful, wonderful musical plays in my life. Okay. I don't I'm not I can't. I well, actually can't. Well Jamie Denbo and Jessica Chaffin, what what do you want to talk about? Well I want to talk about was the comics comic a, a title that you gave yourself, or did the comics give you this comic title? Oh, Ooh. well, I mean, and how many times have you been asked that? This is this is the first time I've been asked it. I've been accused of not deserving it. That's not fair. I think in a joking manner. Oh, jerks! Everyone's, uh, everyone's a jerk, and Amy Schumer didn't steal jokes. <laughs> we did it. Gulp. She didn't. No. No. When I started uh, the website in two thousand seven. She didn't. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Go on. Okay. When I started the website in 2007, I tried to find something that would be easy to remember. Smart. And not too tough to spell. Right. And a lot of the good, a lot of so the. Choosing to use the same word twice really helped lot, with that. <laughs> well, the, but then you can't of, do it in an apostrophe in a browser. A lot of the basic options were already taken. A lot of the really catchy ones. Comedy boy. And, uh,. <laughs> That would have been my pick for you. Hey, comedy boy! I don't think I don't think when I picked the comics comic that I thought it would become a self fulfilling prophecy. Well, you but you are you're because I don't know that I was the comics comic when I started the website. You're more of a I comedy was, resource. I was a journalist uh, gatherer. Yeah, I wrote for newspapers, which were a thing. Because when the Phoenix, I wrote for the Boston Herald. Oh, the, the Herald track gals! I love the yeah. track gals. Yeah, oh, you the guys track are- gals. Sometimes they liked me. Sometimes they didn't. That's how they feel about everybody. They, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're true. like, "Oh, Ben Affleck's in town. Watch out, everybody!" And then they're, sometimes they're like, "Lock up your daughter's Ben Affleck's in town." <laughs> like if he doesn't return their invite to go have a cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee in like yeah. the lobby of the Copley Plaza Hotel. When was the first time uh, you two got uh, mentioned? Appeared in the trackouts. Yeah, appeared in the trackouts. Oh, I, I think it was when we did the Heat, and it was I was so excited. What? 
I think it's the only time. I don't know if I've what ever that we've gotten to do the Boston thing in no, something no, that we were in the inside track in the Boston Herald. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was at the names. You and mentioned faces. in the in the gossip. No, the I don't know what columns. you're talking about. I only read the Globe and the Swamp Scott Reporter. <laughs> names and faces have been much more generous with us. Not the uh, Lynn yeah. eating item. And and incidentally, for all of your listeners, you might want to oh, be on. Oh, yeah. No, we do. I have the interview scheduled for next week. I, Beverly, no, both of me and Beverly are scheduled. It's not up to you. Disagree, disagree. I'm going to be interviewed for 01907 Magazine. It's a quarterly publication. What? Swamp Scott Magazine. It is <laughs> circulated amongst approximately, I want to say, between one and 2,000 people. Beverly was very upset that 01907 featured the governor of Massachusetts, Charlie, whatever Baker. is the Baker, mm-hmm. lives in Swamp Scott. And he was featured in 010907 magazine, but Beverly Ginsburg was not. Which is my alter ego, in case okay. your listeners don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Now. And so we, we started getting our listeners to send emails to them. But actually, I think what happened was with some, that someone who worked for the magazine uh, listens to the podcast and then caught up. She was behind and she caught up and yeah. she heard us screaming about it. Now, when you were when you were a kid, is that something you imagined that? No, the quarterly has only been around for one issue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. So you're in the you're in the premiere or the I'm second issue? I'm going to be in like two? the second or third. As far as I know, I still haven't made it into the Newton tab. Oh, I've made it into the Swamp Scott Reporter multiple times, starting with when I was about eight years old, and oh, I wow. won uh, an award in the um, Horribles Parade, which was a dress-up. Uh, Fourth of July parade mm-hmm. where I dressed up myself and my dog as Paul and Paws Revere. <laughs> How have we not talked about the Horribles parade? I just, because it brings, I have such a lonely childhood, honestly, that it really, <laughs> it's so depressing to think about that, that that was like my claim to fame. I, can't, I just can't. Honestly, I hear that story, and the only person I feel bad for is the dog. Fuck you. <laughs> Poor, poor Paws. He got so much attention. But he got dragged around. His name was Wally. He was just happy to be walked. Yeah. So oh, growing up in, in Swampscott and Newton, what, what were your initial dreams, hopes, aspirations? Oof. Just Jessica. Just to get out. Um, no, I think I, I'll be embarrassed to admit that I, I definitely have not achieved any of those dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but, my, but my dream was to be a comedic actor. Like, I think I was like, oh, yeah, it'll be like me and Bette Midler and Eddie Murphy, and we'll do a buddy movie together, and then uh, that'll be fun. But I'll definitely go to college, so I'll have something to fall back on. Okay. You did, know? You, did you I study? I said that pay- when I was, like, six. I was like, well, I'm definitely going to go to college, so I have something to fall back on. Which I did, and I haven't done a very good job of falling back so far. Nah, yeah, same story. I mean, I, I, I wanted to be, I, I saw Private Benjamin and I said, oh, that's my, that's that woman, that's who I want to be. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, Sorry to interrupt, you're in a really interesting story, but, um, <laughs> but a friend of Sean's or something just tried to come over and talk to us and he waved her off like, buzz off, he gave her a buzz off, it was very funny. Yeah. Like we were because we're because we should tell people as yeah. we shit on our dreams we should tell people that we're in the I wondered if you had to go when we walked by I forgot <laughs> to tell people that we are in the lobby of our hotel in San Francisco where we'll be performing at the San Francisco Sketch Fest Comedy Festival so our dreams pretty okay, much so have we get come true yeah we do yeah dude oh, oh no we don't no I don't but think we, we do get, I think right. give us something. Something. Okay. Stipend is a word I feel like a professional person shouldn't necessarily. It's not get. money you can live on. No. 
but it's money. Did the lights just get dim and romantic? It yeah, did because it's going to be wine hour. I it's told be, you. Yeah, it's going to be happy. We might have some visitors pop in on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got a bunch of groundlings. It's, it's wine hour. Oh, yeah. Oh, too bad Drew Drogi's not here. He oh, loves his wine. Best. Remember when he was swilling wine in the lobby Remember last year? Remember when he and I got he very was upset on the cart by the JCC woman who ran the San Francisco. Oh well, you'll be meeting her again tomorrow. Wait, I can't wait. This is delightful. But you'll be in character for that, so. Oh, yeah, in character, I'll shut it. Believe me. I'll say, excuse me, are you doing what you run the place? Excuse me, ma'am. Do me a favor. You were supposed to get me a bottle of water. Oh, I love that sweater. Can you get Poland Springs? I, I know you can only get it in the sweater. Northeast, but I'd love that. Yeah. I want arrow. That's what's on Beverly's rider. Poland Springs Poland water. Poland Springs. What else? Pop rocks. <laughs> Poland Springs, pop rocks, diapers in case the, the triplets come to visit, come by. Um, I think you're going to get laid tonight, Sean. <laughs> Is she a love interest? Is she a lover? Uh, no, she's not. We just saw a woman walk by. She gave you a very distinct wink in the face. Well, you know, when you're holding a microphone in a hotel lobby, you become instantly more appealing. It's very true. Valid. It's very true. I'm upset because somebody left a kind bar wrapper here, also, and it's honey, honey mustard flavored, which I'm disgusted you, by. I mean, I'm so, disgusting. I feel like throwing up. Jamie and I just went for a delicious, fresh frozen yogurt which we dream about which we get once a year when we come here and i feel like i'm gonna throw up everywhere it's so gross why would anyone i'm taking a picture i'm gonna instagram it and just write ew 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 that's the kind of comedy do you you not treat yourself often when you're in los angeles or elsewhere i treat myself (laughs) i only treat myself that's the problem (laughs) i haven't figured out how to eat like an adult yet like Mm -hmm. i always eat like i'm babysitting which is like like when you start to make money as an adult you realize you can buy whatever you want with it. Not right. whatever. Whatever within a reasonable amount of units, as, I, as I like to see it. I think life is divided by into units. So that, like, right now, the thought of going on a private jet, impossible. But if I started to make a lot more money, it would be like, how many units is it? It would be like 10 units. Yeah. Let's do it. I've definitely got 10 units to spare. But units at the moment are not in in thousands or hundreds of thousands units. So units start out in like five dollar bills and then twenties when you're in college. Everything's mm-hmm. like twenty dollars, and then a hundred dollars. I'm probably in the hundred dollar units right now. You sound fairly responsible. No, I'm not. So what I do is eat whatever I want when I want it and when I'm hungry, and then I get confused about why I'm not thin. Okay. Even though I exercise. I Instagrammed it. I Instagrammed it. Now I've made it real. <laughs> It's a pretty picture. You made it look very appealing. No, I wanted the, the part where it said honey mustard to pop. But you, do, you did a good job. Well, I mean, it's, the I only mean, honey it's, mustard I, mean, I like is from McNuggets. Okay. I mean, it's, is, it's, I don't want to interrupt your interesting it's, story. It's still Instagram. Don't I you mean, have questions? Still, I love chicken McNuggets. I do. Who doesn't? You know something? I'll be honest. If you haven't had tried a sweet and sour dip together, if you haven't tried a McNugget in a real long time, yeah. Have they have they changed? Nope. And that batter is extraordinary. You get a good batch, though. Well, and that's the, so says everything. But then they're just like, do you want to get into peanut butter cups? We love them. Only if they're a good batch. Right. You have to buy the seasonal ones in order to get the best batch. I don't, I'm going back on that one because now they overstuff with the dry peanut butter in there. Get, we'll get into it. The cup is a perfect shape, it, or it oh, used no. to be. I'm not saying I'm not talking about the ratios that the tree might have too much peanut butter in it, but the peanut butter is not dry. The peanut butter is always wetter. But in it's season. mushy. You can't, what difference does it make? Fresh. But you need the, the cup to have the thicker side where the crinkle is. It works with the pumpkin. It probably works with the heart. And it the egg it works with. The egg works with the egg. The egg. 
No, the, the egg. The eggs, not the big eggs. Oh, I didn't want to get involved in that. Did you two have an instant rapport when you first met, or did it take oh, a while? I didn't. I didn't like her at all. No, <laughs> I don't. Um, but um, no, um, I don't know. Did we? I guess we did because we had the common Massachusetts thing. Yes. How did? When did you? When did you first meet? Do you? We met. Do you the, both remember this? The first. The meeting? first time? No, I don't remember. No, because we we basically started UCB around the same time. I think you started about a year or so before. I was very advanced, and she was like a beginner, and so I took and her under my wing. Time, UCB was so small that it was like high school. Yeah. So in New Jamie, York. Yeah, LA. in New York. So Jamie, I was like a junior or senior, and she was like a freshman transfer student from mm-hmm. Germany who was retarded. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what what happened. Not quite like that, but we, but then eventually, like within a year, we're all in the same pool, and we were definitely performing together more often, like for one-off shows. And stuff. Yeah, it would mm-hmm. just be sort of like looking back on it hilariously now that it was like, oh, there's going to be a, a girl show, right. you know, and so Amy and Tina and, and Miriam Toll and, and Stag and women there are, and so we would be in those. Um, but then when we did, and so we became friends mm-hmm. um, more than we performed f- together um, because we were just like when you're on a Herald team, like we were both already on different teams, you know, okay. we were different different levels right. of like entering the race kind of. Um, but when we started doing Ron and Beverly, we already knew we had a shorthand and, and we would speak in Boston accents to each other and blah, blah, blah. But we start, when we started doing Ron and Bev, it all kind of exploded because it was so simple like it was like it was kind of like this reference. We'd been rehearsing for it our whole lives. We yeah. just didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. So and my grandmother lived in the town next to where Jamie grew up. So I know. Wait, where's your Marblehead? Okay, because my the McCarthys are from Lynn. Oh, that's oh. So you're garbage people. You don't look black. <laughs> are you I, Dominican? <laughs> they're only Dominican now. I, but I, Lynn used I, to be a lot of poor white people. I grew up and in, rich white people. I grew up in Connecticut, but all of my McCarthys are from yeah, Lynn. Yeah, well, my mother's from Revere. And they, my my grandparents would tell me that uh, it was Lynn Lynn City of Shoes. Oh, only there later, was a shoe factory. Only later when I was an adult, <laughs> and I said this to people, they go, "No, no, it's Lynn Lynn City of Sin." You never come out the way you went in. Yeah, that's right. You never come out. But by the way, my parents said that to me like they really owned it, and they weren't even from there. Well, that's because when you you always shit on the place next to you to make your place seem nicer. Oh. That's what they were doing. That is something. <laughs> <laughs> but my mother is from Revere, which okay. is one, one worse than Lynn. It goes right. Revere, Lynn, Swampscott, Marblehead. Up, right up the But you get Kelly's Roast Beef. And you do. That's about it. That's the beacon. <laughs> the, the beacon of the hope. The Sandcastle Contest. That's the thing that the says the Zology yes. for us to get out of here. Massachusetts Merchandise Mat, which everyone used to call the fat. Oh, what about, <laughs> oh, what about the green spot? The green spot. That was a mob front. Everybody knew that they yeah. sold lobster stuffed animals and mob money. Literally, and I was we would drive by on the way to my grandmother's every week, every and I was like, is. "What am I gonna get?" The Tony the Tiger. It's still in the window. It's Can we please go to the green spot. <laughs> yeah. No, we can't go to the green spot. No, my grandparents always took me to the big um, resort-like restaurants along uh, Route One. Oh, Route One, Saugus. like the Kowloon. The Cow- uh, well, like Hilltop, Hilltop Steakhouse. The they sh- just closed. Yeah, the My sh- dad sent me an article, yeah. Was, that was the divorce restaurant. That's where you used to go. When your parents were separated, your dad would take you to my, Hilltop. My Super sad. <laughs> Hilltop, Kowloon. Did you ever go yeah. to Kowloon? Kowloon, yes. The yeah. ship. I loved Kowloon. I wish, is Kowloon still there? I think it is. Yeah, I, think I think they have comedy. Is, but it's Nick's they have comedy, comedy nights with a K. Nick's comedy yeah. stop. And it's yeah. also, I think it's got another name. Like it's Kowloon China's Comedy. No, I don't think it's called the Kowloon anymore. I'm going to look it up. I think it is because I've seen Kowloon comedy <laughs> in places before. 
Um, and uh, uh, Prince's, uh, Prince's Leaning Leaning Tower of Pizza, oh, which yep. is where Giggles Comedy Club is. Giggles. Mike mm-hmm. Clark and his brother Lenny. Oh, my God. Lenny there. Clark runs Giggles? Well, his brother does. Ah. Interesting. So Lenny plays there a lot. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But you didn't do any comedy. I didn't. In Massachusetts or the North Shore. I was. You both ended up in New York. Contrary to this interview, I was always very funny <laughs> growing up. <laughs> um, I was a funny kid, and I had six kids in my family, so I performed for those in greats mm-hmm. all the time. Terrible audience. I had the opposite. The opposite <laughs> upbringing. She performed in her mirror. She was one of those kids oh, that would yeah. go to her room and be like, I don't know when they're going to let me out of this place and like make up songs. You see how fucking right? mean she is? She's not wrong, but is it nice? Is it nice <laughs> to be that way? She's not wrong. Okay. <laughs> That's how I feel about a lot of musical theater. I see. Oh, okay. I don't want to get into. I, you know, shh, 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 shh. To me is people being like, it just doesn't say anything about me not being allowed. It's like you're the fucking worst, honestly. <laughs> um, so Jamie, you found the UCB theater first. Um, I, we had, well, I just by by sort of proxy. Like it was weird because. Um, you know what's funny? I know. Well, I had <laughs> done a little bit of comedy previously. Um, in New York or no? Elsewhere? I actually I started in college in okay. my college improvisational comedy troupe. And where was that? At Boston University. Okay, the Terriers. Correct. Apparent. Uh, so I'm told. <laughs> um, and then I worked at Disney for almost two years in Orlando doing uh, their comedy club, which uh, at the time was called the Comedy Warehouse, which has since been shut down. It was mm-hmm. on Pleasure Island at the at the time nighttime entertainment complex at Disney World. And they had various clubs, thematic themed clubs. And I worked uh, and did improv, um, which was a very, very weird, bizarre, unique boot camp in doing Whose Line Is It Anyway type short form right. improv, four or five shows a night, five nights a week, or three or four shows a night. Um, and it was, I did it for over a year. Um, and then I realized that I was 24 and I really didn't want to be in Orlando, um, and I just felt like I was I needed to go to New York. So I did, and I honestly, the, I found UCB because it was one of those things where this was before cell phone, before everybody had phones, right? And I had a phone number in my pocket, and it was for a guy named John Telfer, who had been going back and forth between Orlando and New York doing random stuff comedy all short form comedy he worked at a place called chicago city limits which up until the ucb came um was really one of the only improv shops in town in new york for many years in the 90s it was a spinoff of second city old second city guys had like honestly driven to new york thinking we're going to start some version of improv in new york and they they were they left driving and the sign said you are now leaving chicago city limits and that's what they named it chicago city limits and it uh is where i met Paul Shear, it was where I met um, Andy Daly, who was there, Sean Conroy, a bunch of those early UCB guys. And Danielle Schneider and I started around the same time. And we all kind of wound up dipping our feet into both places because uh, John was like, John was like, here's Chicago Stadium. Yeah, you should totally go. But he said, there's this new group in town. They're getting a ton of attention. You should totally go see their shows. And I saw their shows at Solo Arts and I was hooked. And so that's sort of how that happened. Everyone I love is walking through this lobby. (laughs) That's the that's the joy of being at a comedy festival. Yeah, is. it's like there's Cedric Yarbrough. I see him in my dreams sometimes. You should. Oh yeah, he's everything I like. Here you go. He just looks <laughs> nothing like my husband, <laughs> not even remotely close. Here. I think that's how that works. <laughs> yep. 
that's how the, that's the fantasy dream, is different yeah, from, from the reality. What are you giving this to me for? So when so when Jamie was in <laughs> so when Jamie was in Orlando and then discovering that she wanted to be in an actual city doing actual improv, what were you doing? You know what you were doing? You were honing your skills in a different way. You were being the funny girl where you were. I was the unfunny person in funny places, and you were the funny person in a big in a small pond in an office. Uh, is that is that true? It's partially true. That's actually that actually is a nice way to put it. What's the? What's I even the, to this day the we've it? been doing this for years, yeah, many years, and um, I still to this day feel I always lived in fear of being asked the questions that you're asking me right now, which are like, so were you ever like I was in it, and the levels change, mm-hmm. but I sort of like it was like, so were you in the school play? Oh, you weren't. We were like, did you? Go to- so that's because all you do is make fun of musical theater, you jerk. No, no, no. It has it's nothing. The same thing. No, no. Oh, I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about it. <laughs> but I'm not. Same thing, same thing. But I'm not talking about that. And it's not like I never made up a song before in my room. Oh, excuse me. No, it doesn't know us. That's okay. It'll be his downfall. Um, he'll, he'll realize. Um, someday. Uh, Tomorrow. Um, yeah, like, or this later in an hour when we see him. Um, but, uh,. But yeah, no, I truly though UCB I, it was something I always wa- I always wanted to be a comedian. I did, and I think I thought that I would be more of like a Robin Williams, Richard Pryor kind of comedian, Le- basically people that were on coke. <laughs> be in the movie who toys. I to, who I used to watch, but uh, at that time though, you would watch all of those like comedy um, <clears throat> specials and stuff. And right. Delirious Eddie Murphy made a big impression on me, like those kind of big specials. And of course, we all grew up watching Saturday Night Live. At that, that time. What is that? At that time. It's that. a sketch comedy like program. Fridays? I love Fridays. It was, I love Fridays with Larry David. Um, Fridays. <laughs> it's like Fridays and it's like um, VH1 stand-up I spotlight. I watch British comedy, so I don't know what she's talking about. <clears throat> and so, anyway, it's boring. But, I, but you didn't do that. No, I never did initially. anything. I was scared. And I was, as Jamie says, the funniest person in my wherever I was or like, you know, that's how I got my laughs. Mm -hmm. And then my brother moved to New York and a friend of mine from college was taking classes at UCB. This was around the same time as you were doing it. And uh, and I was like, I can't. It's always still funny. It's still funny. Wait, who was um, your friend? Who is? Uh, she's not a comedian anymore, yeah. but she was taking classes, and I remember thinking, I'm so much funnier than her. <laughs> why can't, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I have this fear of doing this thing? And right. by the way, I still have this fear. But my brother said, why don't you just go and do it once? And if you do it once and you hate it, you never have to do it again. But just go do it. So I signed up for a workshop mm-hmm. on the weekend with Ali Faranakian. And Seth Morris was in it, and I can't remember who else was in it. Two other people, maybe. Um, and it was at that weird place on 14th Street. Not Solo Arts, but the, like, weird yoga, like, tantric sex studio place that always had gross yoga blankets in the corner. Yeah. Um, the the build itself is like a dance studio. Yeah. Um, and the plants. Like, who feeds those plants? I just always was like, who's watering these plants? If people are paying for these rooms by the hour, who's watering the plants? But anyway. Um, ferns, a lot of ferns. Yeah. Um, and, and no, I'm, and, I, I was, I was wondering if, you know, you said as a kid, you knew this is what you wanted to do, but then yeah. you, even at six, you're thinking of a backup plan of college. 
Yeah. And that backup plan, plan at some point became the plan instead Except of a backup plan. Except I still plan. feel like I, and then the I, I've was got like that backup wanting. plan if I need it. <laughs> I do. I do not feel like this is my career, even though it is. Right. It's I mean, not it's great. documented. It's not great. It's documented audio, I, video, if you count, television, if you count IMDb, movies. I guess it is. But if you ask my family, they would tell you I don't have a career. Okay, but they're not important. We're not talking but about so anyway, so anyway, uh, my brother said, if you do this, you don't ever have to do it again. So I went, and I really enjoyed it. And I signed. then I signed up for level one. And on the first day of level one, I was waiting. Armando was my teacher, and I was waiting for him to be like, great, let's go around the room. And everybody can talk about, like, what do you do, Jamie? And what did you do, Jason? And what do you do? And I was expecting that to happen. And I was, like, having, like, a panic attack that I was going to have to be like, I've never done anything. Meanwhile, I was, like, 23. Like, no, but some people were going to be like, yeah, I'd be doing, like, stand-up. Or, like, it was in a college improv group or whatever. And I was going to be like, I've never done anything. And no one asked. So I just kept going. <laughs> and then, but no, still nobody asked me. Like to this day, nobody's been like, like what, are you doing what do here? you mean you weren't in a college play? <laughs> like, what are you doing here? I just love that her impression of the entire scene was like a bunch of fucking like soccer hooligan bullies <laughs> who are like ready to like fucking bean her if she gave the wrong answer. Whereas she's the one who's. It's just how I would feel about not having that experience because I would feel like a fraud, which is how everybody, I think, feels. Nope. Uh, not me. I knew I was talented the minute I could <laughs> gain consciousness <laughs> of my surroundings. So you two That's were in, on different Herald teams. At what point did you decide you needed to do something together? And then we it was going to be... decide. Oh. Seth Morris uh, was the artistic director at the time of the mm-hmm. UCB in L.A. And he said, uh, we're going to do a one-off show for Christmas. Are you guys going to be around? It's a, we'll, we'll have the, the joke will be, it'll be the Jewish comedians, a kosher, kosher comedy, kosher sure. Christmas. Do you guys want to do something? And we were like, yeah. And then we were like, should we do something together? Because we each were going to do an individual bit or whatever. And then we just started talking about it. And we were like, in if you're Jewish, Christmas Eve is like Jewish Valentine's Day. Your family shoves you out the door like that scene in 16 Candles. And you go to this thing called the matzo ball. And it's all these boys you fucking hate who you want to kick in the balls from camp. They all have uh, a lot of acne, neck acne. Neck neck. <laughs> Neck me. Uh, it's so horrible. It's so bad. And they're either not shaving so they have that wispy stash on their lip, or they are and they've cut themselves to shreds. And it's like it's like a town wide school dance, basically. And so there is this kind of recurring theme of like, oh, d- Christmas Eve is singles night for Jewish people. So we were like, well, let's do something about relationships and be and joke with the audience that it's a singles night and thank you for coming and like and we're these relationship gurus. And we kind of were like, let's make fun. Let's let's do the characters we've been doing our whole lives. And she was like, I want to be the fun one that thinks I'm sexy. And I was like, okay, I'll be the the judgmental one. Yeah, <laughs> Un- it's totally unlike our regular. That's nothing like our regular <laughs> personality. Yep, um, that's how that works. And we did it. And I have to say, from that moment. We had instant chemistry doing it. And after the show, people were just like, how do we see more of you? Can you come do our show? Can you come do this other show? And we started hosting as MCs. We started doing like a kosher comedy night on a regular basis. But then the magic, the the, the turning point, the missing link was right. Jeff Garland, who, who we had on the bill, who came a, a year or two into this thing and said uh I, i'm i i don't have a i don't have anything prepared just do that thing where you talk to me he was literally in a tuxedo coming from like a bar mitzvah 
and was like, I don't want to do my act. Can't we just do the part where you guys talk to me? Because we would interview them afterwards. Okay. Not it would also drive Mark Marin nuts when Ma- when yeah. Mark would do our show. We would just fucking yell Mark at him the whole time. First, very first three shows I think Mark was in. Yeah. And he would be doing a. His it was before what WTF. Yeah. And he would be doing his, um, you know, his material or whatever. And uh, there was something about cancer or his mother or something. And we would sort of Statler and Waldorf him and oh, yeah. be like, I don't know why that's funny. You should have had that mole check six months ago. This joke is ridiculous. Yeah, we would just we would tear just it apart. And so people and started he, to like that. And he was in a different place. Uh, yeah, that was right before. Right before. I think he was yeah. He was starting to. I think he only had six cats at that time. <laughs> I can't with him. It's. I mean, I, I know we agree that it's. everyone thinks it's a big improvement, but I don't know. So the night <laughs> Jury's out. So the night you did the show with Jeff Garland and you disposed of the the pretense and just went straight into it, that's when you realized, oh, Rana and Beverly is going to be a thing now. Yeah, I think it was also because people kept inviting our very our second show we ever did. Somebody flew us to New York to do a show at Joe's Pub. You know what I mean? It was sort of like people just wanted to see more of these characters, and I think. I, I can't speak for Jamie, but the feeling for me of being on stage with her and doing the show was just, it felt, that's kind of the high that you're chasing as a performer. You know, like you have good shows and bad shows, but we had such great chemistry and it was so deeply amusing to me. Like the, the comedy was just so funny to me on on a personal level that I just, it was it was a lot of fun and easy to do. There was a lot of freedom in these characters, I think. I think there's a couple things. First of all, I, I want to say that it was the, I often have said this, uh, that it's the closest I've come to understanding what it feels like to be in a band. I don't play an instrument. I'm not particularly musical. Um, but there's a rhythm that is sort of, oh, thank you. Shut the fuck up. Um, I do think that there's a musicality to it when you're working with someone else in sort of tandem on stage like that. But I also, um, I, I, it, there's a freedom in these characters, and we've talked about this too. It's like, you know, what some people, what Borat had with his sort of, you know, foreign perspective and his ignorance, we got to achieve just through age. There's an age, particularly that women that we know in our lives hit where they do not give a fuck whether or not they offend you or not because they have seen it, they have been there, they have done it, they have paid their dues, and they're ready to just fucking unwind their opinions. And that is something that I think we really gravitated to. Yeah, and I think we also started it at an age where it's like it still drove us crazy that our mothers would behave that way, you know, or our mother's friends or whoever. So there was just this meta level of kind of commenting you know, it's like watching a car crash is interesting. Being in a car crash is horrible. And it's sort of that thing. I think the audience gets this vicarious thrill of like, oh, I'd love, like, it's so funny when it's not your mother. But when it's your mother, it's like the most, you know, <laughs> irritating, humiliating, you know, experience. When did, when did Paul Feig first start we did calling a, on you? We did a pilot for Showtime in that we shot in 2009 and he was the director. And so Jen was still slumming it in television at the time. He was on the office at that time. And we did, uh, we did the pilot with Jenji Cohan. We co-wrote it with her and she produced it. And, um, maybe you've heard of her and orange is the new, this new, uh, prison drama. Yeah. And, (laughs) and Paul directed the pilot and that's how we met him. And then that began, began a life, uh, a lifelong love affair. Yeah, because he's he's used you two and 
a variety of he looks projects. Up, he looks up. You know, I mean, I think we've, we're lucky that we, you know, will always be there to be behind the register in whatever <laughs> movie comes up. <laughs> is that your next role, is behind oh, the register? I, listen, hope, hope. I would do anything. <laughs> you know, but I think... I think is that what is listed I in the there IMDb? Certain, there are certain... Look, I think there are all really fun directors have their people. It's like how Hector Elizondo is always in Gary Marshall movies, like mm-hmm. even if it's a one-scene thing. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a highly enviable position. I think we're both very grateful to be like the universally like used, uh, beautiful, model-esque women in whatever film uh, he needs. So if he does, you know. But yeah. he just happened to be the director on the project. He the, again, this is when he was, you know, bouncing around. He did an episode right. of Mad Men. He did one of uh, he did a bunch of Weeds, which is how Genji knew him and really came to mm-hmm. like him. And I mean, it was I was such a huge Freaks and Geeks fan that I was like blown the fuck away that that was even a possibility. But the, he and Genji really liked working together, and you know, he's obviously moved in a totally different right. direction since Bridesmaids. But this was when he was still doing pilots and he was still doing episodes of television. Yeah, and he, I mean, he read the script and he really responded to it. And he, we didn't meet with anybody else, I don't think. He was okay. the only person we met with, and we loved him. And I have to say, um, Paul, as a director, is there's just, you know, we're improvisers at our hearts. So it's sort of like you write a script and the script has to be great, and you, you know, in order to get through the gauntlet. But on the day, you want to feel like if there's something else that could plus up a joke or if or if you find something new or whatever and Paul is great at creating that space he's also he's great at suggesting places to go also i mean he's just a really talented director i also think it's really important to note that like before he became the like gold star in women female driven comedy i mean this is this is how we know and i hope the kind of the world knows that it wasn't just like something he took an opportunity to do because nobody wanted to do bridesmaids or whatever whatever that narrative could mm-hmm. be. Like, oh, he got lucky. He had one, and now he's doing it. It's like he's always been interested in doing – he read our script about two old fucking yentas, yeah. you know, and was like, this is funny. This is what I want to do, yeah. you know. And working with Genji, obviously, who's hugely invested in female-driven stuff, and it was just like an automatic fit. And I just think it's so – it's pretty cool to watch that that's become his signature, but it doesn't. It never came from a like a cynical place. Yeah, he's genuinely tickled by and and invested yeah. in seeing, and he finds women funny. I think he's all of his best friends were women growing up, and he just you know, it's his. It's all genuine. Are Rana and Beverly your best friends? Oh God, um, I don't think so. No, not mine. You love Ron. I, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I, I mean, it's, it's when I hear Beverly sneak into my voice, I actually like it kind of upsets me and it really upsets my husband. <laughs> I wish I was Rana. She has a wonderful life. When you now, will they age as we with, do? Yeah. Or will there be a point well, where they you, have to where a you hit degree. the age that they're I don't think that they, they're like be. every three years is one year of Rana and Beverly, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I think what you're asking is when we are the age of Rhonda and Beverly, will we be Rhonda and Beverly still? I, I would think we won't be able to fit it in with our enormous film career. So <laughs> I obviously that's hard to predict. All right, well, what's or we'll be the actual Rhonda and Beverly actually performing in Las Vegas for you five nights a week. Come see us at the Palms Casino. I look forward to it. Oy. Uh, before you say oi, but that would be a lot of money. <laughs> what's the? I like money. What's Even though the, I don't make any. 
I, I, I. Oh, oh my God! I just. Are you okay? Make enough to have my tooth fixed. <laughs> Jamie just smashed me in the mouth with the microphone. Are you okay? As long as you didn't chip my tooth, I'm okay. Are you sure? It didn't sound. It didn't sound loud it enough felt, to be a chip. It felt like something. No, I think I'm okay. I'm fine. No, don't stare at my teeth. What's? The, I was just about to ask. What's the? What's the uh, last best advice you received, other than don't smash each other in the mouth? <laughs> the last best advice. Yeah. Oh boy. Do people give you advice? Um, on, on how to deal with life and show business and the road and I you know I wish they I, w- I wish I sought it out more I mean I think that you know I I try to take advice in my life that has nothing to do with this business ultimately because mm. I do know that the business is is subjective and arbitrary and fluctuating and can't really be depended on so I mean I try to stay really present I mean I I, I do a a lot of yoga. Don't look at my body, people, when you look on the web because you won't see any correlation between what I'm saying and yoga. Those images but, are old. But the, um, but the, but the, you know, I do. I try to, I try to breathe deeply and stay in the moment mm-hmm. and do all of these things. And it's, it's, it's advice that I get regularly that I'm trying not to take for granted because of the yoga that I do. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Aniston, and you're drinking smart water. <laughs> I think that, <clears throat> I think that it's valuable. I think that you're. When you choose to pursue an artistic career or or a creative profession, or it chooses you, or it chooses you, um, that you have two jobs, and one is the job of the thing that you're pursuing, which is comedy, writing, whatever it is, and staying true to your voice, developing your voice, and staying true to the things that you find funny or interesting or that you gravitate to, because that's the only thing that makes you different than anybody else. Being authentic. When it chooses you. And also uh, and also choosing the right people to collaborate with in this world and trusting your gut when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Finding your people. Yeah. But I think that your other job is to stay mentally fit because there will be peaks and valleys in that job always. And so you have to find a way to, uh, and I don't profess to, to have this, have achieved this every day of my life, but... Your job is kind of to be an adult and take care of yourself and, like, get enough sleep, get a little exercise, do whatever it is that you need to do. But you need to keep yourself steady because the other thing will not ever be. And so I think you can get – that's how a lot of people get lost or fall through the cracks is if they're not taking care of themselves. And also it's okay to – it's okay to fold. It's okay to say, like, actually this isn't what I thought it was going to be and – or I want to try doing it this way instead, or I don't want to perform anymore, I just want to write, or whatever it is. Like, it doesn't matter what other people think about you. You just have to make that choice that makes you happy. It's, it's been actually really interesting to look at the comedy classes that we came up with back in UCB in 97, 98, 99, and to see where everybody has landed. And, you know, it's been, you know, at that time we were all – making a go of the exact same thing. Everybody was taking improv classes, getting on stage and performing, writing sketch, getting on stage and performing. And it's been really, it's been a very good life lesson because people have fallen into writing positions, sole ri- solely writing, solely performing, solely touring, solely live stuff, only TV, only film, executive positions, castings. It's, it's been really 
And it's been wa- interesting to watch people satisfy their own lives, whether that's been just professional, a mix of personal and professional. And it's been highly gratifying. I think we both feel really lucky to have been part of that UCB back in the day in New York when it was really just this fucking startup. It was bananas. I'll say one more thing, which is that I think sometimes you can get hung up on something needing to be difficult in order for it to be good, kind of. And I have to say that Ron and Beverly, to me, it's the easiest in terms of how it feels when I'm performing it or when we're writing it or whatever. It's the easiest feeling in the world. And that there's that it's okay. You should chase that feeling instead of feeling like, well, it's not hard, so it's not... You don't need to suffer for your art quite in the way that I think the narrative has been. If you're lucky enough to have something that doesn't feel like suffering, then that's pretty cool. Well, you know what, Jamie and Jessica, this has been really easy talking to you both. And oh my God! Thank you. Thank you for sharing this with me. Delete. I'm so sorry that you came from the airport straight here to talk to us. I'm so excited. This is going to be a very highly rated episode. I'm really, really honored. I will go anywhere to see Rana and Beverly, whether it's San Francisco, Los Angeles, Las Vegas in five years, wherever, wherever it may be. People that they're much more interesting than we are. So I'm sorry that we've bored you all. Do me a favor, everyone who hears this and is like, "Oh my gosh, I really want to meet Jamie and Jessica." You don't. You don't want to take us for a drink afterwards. Nobody cares. No, no, no one's going to hear this and think that. My advice would be, if you hear this and you think, "Who the fuck would want to have a drink with those idiots?" Go listen to our podcast. Those are the people you'd like to have a drink with. And if you come and see a show, trust me, you don't want to like hang out afterwards. It's not. It's boring. It's yoga and kids. And, and the Fs. Well, this was not boring at all, so thanks. You're welcome. You have to say that. <laughs> last <laughs> this episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.